0: December 1st, 2021. I am Critch and you are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio. Welcome, my friends. I know the shows have been a little bit sparse lately, um, simply because I am still hunting. (laughs) A buddy of mine got his whitetail on the ground. I helped him out with that hunt. And uh, I myself, though, still haven't got mine on the ground, so it's getting right down to the wire, to the bitter end, my friends. So we'll see if I can... uh, turn it out here and tomorrow because that's all the time I've got so with that being said after this week the show should get a little bit more regular I have another Calgary trip floating in the background as well Uh, but I should be able to start kicking out a couple episodes a week here now uh, starting next week so my apologies and thanks for being patient through this time of uh, extreme outdoor activity for me so what are we going to start with today my friends? Uh, we're going to start with an article that was brought to my attention from the DARPA Antidote. Um, now this kind of ties into all the AI talk that, that uh, we're seeing. Uh, the whole uh, bio-digital convergence uh, article that you've seen released in Canada. Uh, basically how they're all talking about all the world governments including all your top uh, globalist losers, how they're all talking about um, AI and integrating AI into society, so on and so forth. Um, this is just a glimpse into the technology that they are letting us now know about. So I, one thing I always hold, the one golden rule I always hold uh, to, close to my chest is if they're uh, if they're telling a, telling you about it in the public sphere, a, usually they've already done it and and B, they're probably 50 years well more advanced than what they're telling us. But anyway, this article comes to us by way of Blaze Media and the title reads, the world's first living robots developed with AI and stem cells are now now able to reproduce. This is by Sarah Taylor and it was written on November 30th, 2021. Scientists say that the world's first living self-healing robots known as Xenobots can now reproduce in a way that's not been observed in plants or animals. Researchers at the University of Vermont, Tufts University, and Harvard University Wyss Institute for Biology-inspired engineering debuted the xenobots. Formed from stem cells of African clawed frogs in 2020, CNN reported. That year, scientists insisted that the xenobots could not reproduce. What are the details? One year after the Xenobots unveiling, Michael Levin, co-lead author of the new research, as well as professor of biology and director of the Allen Discovery Center at Tufts University, said that he was astounded by the knowledge that the Xenobots can reproduce. Frogs have a way of reproducing. Um, frogs have a way of reproducing that they normally use, but when you liberate the cells from the rest of the embryo and you give them a chance to figure out how. To be in a new environment, not only do they figure out a new way to move, but they also figure out, apparently, a new way to reproduce. He said in reference to the new study, which was published in a peer-reviewed scientific journal, PNAS, on Monday. According to a Monday CNN report, C-shaped parent xenobots collect and compress loose stem cells together into piles, which can mature into offspring. The study showed that xenobot organisms can locate nearby other single cells cells and assemble new xenobots which will then turn mature and begin the process of reproduction with other single cells once more. The organisms which are said to be less than a millimeter wide are designed on an AI mainframe and assembled by hand. uh, Study researcher Douglas Blackenston added people have thought for quite a long time that we've worked out all the ways that life can reproduce or, or replicate, but this is something that's never been observed before. Josh Bongard, a computer scientist professor and robotics expert at the University of Vermont, as well as lead author of the study, added that robots aren't simply metal and wires and that an engineered combination of uh, molecular biology and artificial intelligence meets the definition of what a robot is. Most people think of robots as made of metal and ceramics, but it's not so much what a robot is made of from what it, what it does. Which is act on its own behalf of people, Bongard explained, in a way that it's a robot, but it also it's also clearly an organism made from genetically unmodified frogs, frog cells. Bongard in 2020 added, These are novel living machines. They're neither a traditional ro- robot nor a known species of animal. It's a new class of artifact, a living programmable organism. According to, researchers, uh, according to the researchers' website, such engineering could repair birth defects, reprogram tumors into normal tissue, regenerate after traumatic injury or, de- or degenerative disease, and defeat aging. So right there is very telling. That paragraph is very telling, my friends, because they are already planning on injecting these xenobots into humans. <laughs> now, now, granted, they are thinking of it in positive ways, which is very exciting. Uh, it is very cool. But how would you feel to know that you've got a self-replicating uh, AI, probably sentient AI bot, for lack of better words, running around in your system that can self-replicate. <clears throat> I myself would not be keen on that idea. In the, t- the 2020 study which has partially f- which was partially funded by the Deven- Defense Ad- <laughs> Advanced Research Project Agency, a federal group that oversees the, de- the development of technology for military use, also determined that xenobots could be used to remove microplastics from the world's oceans, clean up radioactive waste, and even work in a medically invasive capacity, scraping plaque from human arteries. Hmm, how do you guys feel about that? So, this is what they're telling you in the public sphere. Uh, they're calling this a new discovery, uh, but you learn in the last paragraph that the military was involved, and you can bet your bottom dollar that they aren't thinking about doing good things for the planet. <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe I am very highly skeptical of every central authority organization, and uh, I, I could be looking deeper into it than maybe I need to be. But as you know, the world is still run by psychopaths, and I don't think it's a real stretch to say that they would use these to either control or eliminate you. If they can program them to scrape plaque from your arteries, they could also pl- program them to plug your arteries right off. You could keel over dead from a heart attack, uh, everybody would think it's natural causes, or maybe a vaccine side effect, and then nobody would be none the wiser that you just got killed by xenobots. <laughs> anyway, this all ties into everything. Um, you know, when you start taking into account that they are injecting people with operating systems, and they're talking about an AI rollout. Um, the White House has uh, basically an AI liaison now that is talking about um, <clears throat> full integration of AI into U.S. society by Q1 2022. Uh, right around the corner, my friends. This kind of stuff, when you see little tidbit articles like this, uh, my my ears tend to perk up because this has always been lurking around in the background. You know by watching these... Uh, these weird sociopaths, uh, with their control on Hall, Holly Weird in the music industry, they've been telling you for a very long time um, that they want uh, basically an AI integration. You can look at any any of the recent Taylor Swift videos and figure that out, where she's basically uh, dancing around as a half human cyborg in in a lot of them, but. <clears throat> Like always, with the uh, with the Satanists or the Luciferians, uh, they have to tell you what they're planning, and uh, this could be, in a roundabout way, letting you know what they are planning. Anyway, my friends, let's get this show started. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio, where conspiracy is not theory, and political corruption finds the spot. CPR. We are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom. With all thy sons, command. Welcome back, my friends. What we're going to focus on next is my own home province doing some greasy shit behind the scenes yet again. Saskatchewan seems to be leading the charge in greasy, oh, greasy moves behind the scenes and hoping that nobody notices. Get a load of this title. Saskatchewan legislation protects employers from lawsuits over COVID-19 measures by Connor O'David, written uh, November 30th, 2021. The government of Saskatchewan has moved to prevent employers from being sued for implementing measures found in the public employees' COVID-19 emergency regulations or the employers' COVID-19 emergency regulations. The Saskatchewan Employment Act was amended Tuesday to say that no action or proceeding lies or shall be commenced or maintained against an employer if that employer acts in good faith to implement the above regulations. Let me just step out here for a minute and just, uh, let's just pay attention to how fucking greasy the Saskatchewan provincial government is acting by doing this. Amending the Labor Act? The, this, uh, amending the Saskatchewan Employment, em- Employment Act to ensure that employers cannot be sued for pushing basically unlawful mandates upon their employees? Do they think that's actually going to protect them? And one thing we got to do, all my uh, fellow Sketch folks, is find out who voted on this and which way they voted. Or was this just a video conference vote where five fucking people showed up and they pushed it through? Because if the entire legislature of Saskatchewan voted to do this, then every single one of them needs to be put on notice. They need to be put on a liability notice for this for this decision. Let's carry on. That being done, generally acro- that is being done generally across North America, said Labour Relations Minister Don Morgan, adding that the legislation isn't limited to employee vaccine mandates. It's a broad, general thing that we that. That would cover anything related to COVID-19, signage, lack of signage, whatever else might reasonably arise from it. The threshold is that they must act in good faith. Do you understand the uh, the broad reach that they have just created? Like, companies now can mandate whatever the fuck they want. And then they can call it in good faith. And employees now have to just follow in suit. Like, this is just, this is complete nuts. This is insanity, is what it is. Oh my god. Morgan said, the changes don't come in response to any particular legal challenge. Yeah, right. We aren't trying to target a specific lawsuit that's being started or being threatened, he said. But we know that COVID-19 vaccines, etc. are a, a worldwide issue right now, and we want to be able to encourage our employees to have some comfort that they're not going to be subject to lawsuits. <laughs> The action comes through an amendment to the Saskatchewan Employment Act which was received which received Royal Assent Tuesday. The legislation applies regardless of when a perceived transgression may have occurred. So if you're you're, if you've got a proceeding lawsuit before this even happened, it doesn't even matter now it applies to it. Complete bullshit. Complete bullshit. I hope that any lawsuit that is actually already in process in Saskatchewan I hope the judge has the balls or the lady balls to say I don't care what they amended we're working on the rules that we started this case on we cannot change the rules halfway through a case anyway <clears throat> like i was saying i it's it's time my friends all my Sketch friends that every single person in the member in the Saskatchewan member or uh uh, legisl- legislation needs to be put on liability notice for their behavior. It has gone beyond, like, the fact that they passed the WAR Act was one thing, and they've got perfect little loopholes to excuse uh, their behavior. Um, they can say, well, well, they have said to me, because I've been emailing them the whole time, and the Ministry of Justice, uh, Minister of Justice, came back and said, well, it's an old act, but we had to use it to... to. uh basically force uh the medical industry into uh doing what are doing what we needed which is complete bs you and i both know it's bs <clears throat> but they have loopholes whereas this they don't have loopholes this is just greasy shit to change a, to change employment acts so that you can protect yourself from being sued or anybody that's pushing an unlawful mandate from being sued, what's to stop? Let's just take a step out even further. Okay, you wanna play this fucking game? We will start issuing notice of liability to each and every person involved in any employment, so that's gonna fuck with their insurance, and then we're going to sue that person individually. We won't even fuck around with labor or labor standards. We'll sue the person individually for infringing on our right to earn a living in Canada it'll be nothing to do with labor employment, it'll be one person suing another person for them fucking them over. How's that sound? How are you gonna stop that, you greasy fucks? Anyway, as you can tell, that pisses me right off. So let's get into the next order of business that is going to make us all a lot happier. Because on the federal stage in Canada, people are speaking up and they they aren't just speaking anymore, they're yelling. Now the title of this this comes to us by way of thoughts captured, exploring, observing, con- uh, contributing, and the title reads a uh, excuse me OAG employee questions medical experiment mandates. Uh, no no authors listed, but this is just you guys got to hear this whole thing. Wow, check this out! Someone from the OAG Office of the Auditor General sent this very well written email to the whole organization. Wow, mad respect to that to that courageous per- person. Apparently, the AOG, excuse me, OAG, (laughs) got some dyslexia happening today. Apparently, the OAG lawyers are scrambling as it got a lot of people talking. Forwarded message sent Friday, November 26, 2021 at 1121 a.m. Subject, a response to the OAG VAX policy. Dear executive team. The Parliament of Canada affirming that the, that the Canadian nation is founded upon principles that acknowledge the supremacy of God, the dignity and worth of the human person, and the position of the family, family in a society of free men and free institutions, affirming also that men and institutions remain free only when freedom is founded upon respect for moral and spiritual values and rule of the law. Preamble, Canadian Bill of Rights To say that it is appalling and astounding that you have ordered mandatory inoculation and coercion of private medical information to OAG employees would be an understatement. Specifically, the submission of employees to the experimental gene therapy injections for COVID-19, commonly referred to as vaccines, currently in the Phase 3 trials until 2023. The OAG has joined the bandwagon with so many organizations to implement tyranny on their employees showing little regard for the care and well-being of fellow humans. This unlawful policy seeks to remove our fundamental freedoms and rights and seeks to take away our rights to privacy, autonomy and consent, breaking numerous established Canadian and international laws. It seeks to segregate Canadians and draws hateful lines of division. It does so at a time when we could desperately use some unity. The claim that this policy has anything to do with improving public health and safety remains illegitimate at best and diabolically diabolically unreasonable at worst. These claims are particularly concerning considering that we have been working inside the closed walls of our homes for nearly two years. This barbaric policy seeks to deprive individuals and families of their livelihoods through threat, coercion, and intimidation. The provisions of this policy unlawfully place employees on leave without pay, taking away their fundamental right to earn a living and provide for their families. There is no provision in the collective agreement for for employer-initiated LWOP, leave without pay. This action blocks workers' access to employment insurance benefits. You are on course to punish Canadian public service employees and their families for for refusing to give up their divine and legal rights and freedoms. The fact that you approve of implementing such unwarranted and tyrannical measures is nothing short of um, (coughs) contemptible. (laughs) Sorry, The failures of the public officials and administrators must not be downloaded onto Canadians in the form of systematically inflicted pain and suffering. It is a tragic state of affairs, indeed, that while the leadership of this organization claims to consider employees to be equal, but is evidently busy designing some to be less equal through instituting a system of medical apartheid. It is as if you take us to be inert, blunt objects that you can move around on a game board to suit your whims. We are not your subjects, nor do you possess any authority whatsoever to inject dangerous foreign materials into our bodies. Our rights are inalienable and ours by virtue of being born human. You do not give us rights. You are required to respect and abide by the law like everyone else. Let's be perfectly clear that the choice available to the individual is and always has been to choose the injection or to reject it. The choice is not between choosing the injection and getting in- ejected from, in- so- from society. This includes the right to earn a living without prejudice, discrimination, and outright expulsion. Holding people hostage over their sovereignty, freedom, and livelihood amounts to ex- uh, extortion under the Canadian Criminal Code. Never have we encountered a cataclysmic conundrum such as this, where the so-called Protected need to be protected from the alleged unprotected against which they have already been protected with something that has been shown not to protect the protected. <laughs> At some point during this insanity, one must stop and ask the question, is this still about public health and safety or is it, is it about concerted harm and subjugation? <clears throat> Immunization is not mandatory in Canada. Immunization is not mandatory in Canada. According to the Canadian National Report on Immunization 1996, page 3, vaccination cannot be made mandatory in Canada due to the Canadian Constitution. A 2019 public information from Immunize Canada declares the same. It's important to remember that this non-negotiable provision is due to the Canadian Constitution. Public health orders and guidelines do not override established laws. The right to deny medical uh, treatment or to receive (coughs) consensual medical treatment belongs to the individual. The state cannot force this decision onto a person, and it certainly isn't up to any person in in this office. Indeed, it is dumbfounding to observe that in an office full of capable professionals, such mind-numbingly dangerous and unreasonable rhetoric is permitted to gain traction. (coughs) Let it be clear that mandates, directives, and press conferences are not laws. Thus, do not compete with nor supersede established laws, such as the Canadian Bill of Rights, uh, SC 1960, C44. Laws to be legislated in this country are required to pass many steps of this legislative process through the Parliament and the Senate. Legislation must be discussed openly and voted on uh, voted on in three occasions: the bill, first reading, second reading, uh, committee stage, committee report stage, third reading, House of Commons, royal assent. Do you think? Do you think the Saskatchewan uh, the amendment to the Saskatchewan Employment Act did, went through all that? We didn't even hear about it. Do you think that actually everybody in the the Saskatchewan Parliament heard about that? I doubt it. <clears throat> uh, trust me, I'll be talking to. Uh, Scott Moe about that one tomorrow. I was actually emailing him today. (laughs) Anyway, let's carry on, my friends. The Canadian Bill of Rights, having received royal assent, protects our fundamental rights and freedoms as Canadians. Our rights and freedoms are inalienable and cannot simply be removed by some policy because someone in high office said so. This policy does not hold any such authority. Instead, there is plentiful to be found... uh, There is plentiful to be found in... In it that breaks established laws, infringes upon individual and group freedoms, and that perpetrates a state of holistic terror in the hearts and minds of its victims. This political gang, uh, gangsterism is in the name of public he- uh, in the name of public health. Health cannot be permitted in a free and open society. I, rem- I will remind you of our country's heritage in the wor- words of John G. Diefenbaker. I am Canadian. I am free Canadian, free to speak without fear. Free to worship God in my own way. Free to stand for what I think is right. Free to oppose what I believe wrong. Free to choose those who shall govern my country. This heritage of freedom I pledge to uphold for myself and all mankind. John G. Diefenbaker, uh, Prime Minister of Canada, House of Commons, Debates, July 1st, 1960. Mandatory, uh, excuse me, mandates and mandatory. Mandatory. Black's Law Dictionary provides a definition of a mandate. A mandate by definition is, uh, is gratuitous and is ineffective unless agreed upon by the mandatory. It becomes effective only if the mandatory, in this case the employee, voluntarily agrees to it. It is an offer to contract and it requires consent and agreement. Accordingly, it is meaningless and no contract is established. Because of the gratuitous nature of the mandate, it is done or performed, performed without obligation. I do not agree, nor do I consent to this unlawful mandate. In a normal world, all of this nonsense would be called out for what it is and responsible parties held accountable under the law for their transgressions. Instead, the past two years have shown that we live in an incredibly abnormal world, where adherence to the rule of law has been pushed aside to make way for incessant draconian measures where fear uh, pornography reigns supreme and where unquestioning acquaintance uh, uh, acquiescence seems to be the order of the day. Any questioning of the official version of the story is immediately shunned and met with hostility, sentencing reasonable inquisitive voices to a uh, reality reminiscent of outcasts. The examples are far too many to count here, This witch hunt in the name of health and safety is an insult to human intellect. It is an insult to rational inquiry and is an insult to policy making. While we receive corporate emails about respect and civility, we hear about workplace harassment. And while managers collect our emergency contact information, no qualms are held about implementing a criminal policy condemning workers into a state of Hegelian extortive control. You have essentially ordered OAG employees to accept highly dang- uh, to accept highly dangerous and life-threatening synthetic injectables or prepare for deep freeze living on the streets of Ottawa. The policymakers quite obviously forgot to don their respect and civility hats when constructing this curtailment of rights and freedoms, and dared to label it a policy. Where is the respect and civility of the workers' rights, their choice, their choices, their right to life and liberty, and by extension? For rights of their families. There is quite the disconnect between demanding respect and civility and then enforcing the rights infringing policy. So much for caring for people's mental health, so much for diversity and inclusivity. Leave without pay. There is no provision in the collective agreement for the employer to force employees on leave without pay. The employer cannot just decide to put the employee on unpaid leave. While available as one of the options of leave, leave without pay is initiated by the employee or it requires the voluntary consent of the employee. This means the employees can take an unpaid leave, but the employer cannot force them. There are no provisions in the Canadian Labour Code Part 2 and Part 3 that allow the employer to forcibly place employees on leave without pay. Case law. KB... Kabakman v. Industrial Alliance Life Insurance Co. Summary. If the employee is available and willing to work, the employer cannot place an employee on administrative suspension without pay. The Supreme Court of Canada, in case of Kabakman v. Industrial uh, Alliance Life Insurance Co. states the following are required when placing an employee on administrative suspension. The suspension must be necessary to protect the legitimate business interest. The employer must be acting in good faith. The suspension must be for a relatively short time period or a fixed term. And other than in exceptional circumstances, the suspension must be paid. I did not request any such item. I do not consent to being placed on leave without pay. The law. As pointed out earlier, immunization is voluntary in Canada. It cannot be made mandatory. Even if mandated by the government, there is no law that makes it legal to forcefully inject individuals. It is a gross violation of our fundamental human rights. Forced genetic testing, analysis of DNA, RNA, or chromosomes for the purpose of such as uh, prediction of disease or vertical transmission risks, or monitoring, diagnosis, or prognosis and discrimination based on such information about an individual is illegal and unlawful under the Genetic Non-Discrimination Act. Further, it is unlawful to force any person to disclose the results of any such test and to discriminate against on the basis of. The Canadian Bill of Rights SC 1960 Section 1 guarantees the individual's fundamental human rights and freedoms, the right not to be deprived thereof, except by due process of the law. Specifically, subsection, one, uh, subsection 1a subsection one declares our right to life, liberty, security of the person, and employment, employment of property, and the right not to be deprived thereof, except by due process of the law. The bill's provisions further declare the freedom of religion, of speech, and and of assembly and association, and freedom of the press. Section 2 of the Canadian Bill of Rights expressly declares that every law in Canada must not uh, abrogate, abridge, or infringe, or to authorize the abrogation, abridgment, or infringement of any of the rights or freedoms herein recognized and declared. These rights are inalienable. If the government endeavors to curtail our rights, it must be demonstrably shown through an Act of Parliament. What authority do you have that has been demonstrably shown through an Act of Parliament to implement this unlawful policy? Statutory Instruments Acts of 1985. Section uh, section 3 subsection 2C states that the clerk Of the Privy Council, in consultation with the Deputy Minister of Justice, shall examine the proposed regulation to ensure that it does not trespass unduly on existing rights and freedoms and is not, in any case, inconsistent with the purpose of the provisions of the Charter of the Canadian Bill of Rights. OAG's framework for the implementation of the policy on COVID-19 vaccination infringes upon numerous existing rights, freedoms, laws protecting privacy and medical autonomy. Number three, Emergencies Act, 1985. The preamble declares that the Governor and Council, in taking such special temporary measures, would be subject to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Canadian Bill of Rights, and must have regard to the International Covenant on civil and political rights, particularly with respect to those fundamental rights that are not limited or abridged even in a national emergency. Ooh, that's a good one. A nationwide emergency has not been declared. Even if the government is taking special temporary measures to ensure safety and security during national emergencies, the existing fundamental rights and freedoms cannot be removed. Number four, Financial Administration Act of 1985. As discussed earlier in point one, this act act must not limit nor eliminate in any shape or form the inalienable rights of Canadians protected in the Canadian Bill of Rights. Section 1 and 2 of the Bill make this abundantly clear. While Section 7 and Section 11.1 of the Financial Administration Act provide for the administration of certain aspects of the Government of Canada, these activities must not infringe upon existing laws. The AOG policy on vaccination is a direct violation of the provisions of the Canadian Bill of Rights and therefore is invalid. <clears throat> the cri- number 5 the criminal code of canada 1985 the criminal code of canada defines the enforcement of this vaccine policy as a criminal as criminal offenses under the following sections section 246.1 subsection 1 uttering threats section 246.1 uh, subsection 1 2 punishment criminal codes uh, section 264.1 subsection 1 2 3 Describe that uttering threats is a criminal offense and everyone who commits an offense under these sections is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment. Section 265, subsection 1 Assault. Section 265, subsection 3 Consent. Uh, Criminal Code section 265, subsection 1 states that a person commits an assault when A. without consent of another person applies force directly or indirectly. B. Attempts Or threatens. Uh, Section two sixty five, subsection three, further describes uh, further describes the uh, invalidity of forced consent. Section three three forty six, subsection one, extortion, subsection three forty six, subsection one one point one, extortion as an indictable offence. Uh, I'm just going to skip reading uh, all the uh, <clears throat> the, <laughs> the sections and subsections. I'm just going to give you the title from this point on and then give you the, uh, the actual explanation. Describe the extortive behavior and it being an indictable offense. In this case, to obtain certain highly pri- uh, certain highly private information through coercion and threatening with retaliatory measures. Public incitement of hatred. Outlines public incitement of hatred against identifiable groups. It is being, it is being an, indict, an indictable offense and liability of imprisonment. With this policy, you are openly and unlawfully threatening employees with non-consensual and invasive medical treatments. You are threatening employees with experimental vaccines and or DNA RNA testing that if they do not comply, you will remove their fundamental right to earn a living and provide for their families. You are publicly issuing threats to discriminate against identifiable groups of employees if they don't sign away their rights and fall in line with certain draconian measures. Number six, case law on informed consent. Parmley versus Parmley in 1945. Informed consent, medical, page 645. Summary. Informed consent is required for medical treatments. Consent must be given freely and informative about and inf- information about risks involved must be provided. B. Hop versus Lep 1980, Informed Consent Medical, page 196. Summary. Informed consent is required for medical treatments. Consent must be given freely and information about risks involved must be provided. C. R versus uh, you and Chuck, 1999. If no consent, then assault. Summary, if there is no threat of harm or reprisal or pressure from an authority, then there is no consent. Thus the act would be assault. Excuse me, if there is threat of harm or reprisal or pressure f- from an authority, then there is no consent, thus the act would be assault. Number seven, Genetic Non-discrimination Act. Under Section 3 of the Genetic Non-Discrimination Act, it is pro- prohibited for any person to require an individual to undergo genetic a genetic test as a condition of A, providing goods or service to that individual, B, entering into or continuing a contract or agreement with that individual, or offering a continuing specific terms or conditions in a contract or agreement with that individual. Uh, section three prohibits refusal to engage in activities described in subsection three, with individuals who refuse to undergo genetic testing. Section 4 prohibits any requirement for an individual to disclose the results of a genetic test as a condition of engaging in activities described in subsection 3. The act further (coughs) uh, prohibits refusal to engage in activities described on the basis that that an individual has refused to disclose the result of a genetic test. This act makes it abundant uh, excuse me, this act makes it abundantly clear <clears throat> that it is, it is unlawful to discriminate on the basis of genetic characteristics, to require genetic testing, and to disclose the result of genetic test results analyzing DNA RNA. This type of incredibly invasive force testing is not permitted in this country. Section 7 of the Genetic Non-Discrimination Act outlines the offences and punishments for contravening Sections 3 to Section 5 of the Act. Contraventions of the provisions of section 3 to 5 of this Act are indictable offences, punishable with fines and or imprisonment. You cannot force the RT, PCR or any other type of genetic testing that analyzes DNA, RNA for the purpose described in this Act. Number 8, the Canadian Labour Code, Part 2 and Part 3. There are no provisions for employers to forcibly place employees on leave without pay. This is an option available only to and requested by the employee. <clears throat> Case Law. Kaba- uh, Men v. Industrial Alliance Life Insurance Co. Summary. If the employee is available and willing to work, the employer cannot place an employee on administrative suspension without pay. Number 9. The Canadian Human Rights Act of 1985. Section 3 of the Canadian Human Rights Act prohibits uh, discrimination on the ground of refusal to undergo a genetic test or to disclose or authorize the disclosure of the result of a genetic test. This discrimination is deemed to be on the ground of genetic characteristics. Therefore, uh, subjecting individuals to forced genetic testing and to further reveal the results of those tests is unlawful. Number 10, the Privacy Act of 1985. According to Section 4 of the Privacy Act, no personal information shall be collected by a government institution unless it relates directly to an operating program or activity of the institution. The office has no business demanding and extorting employees for their private medical information. The privacy of employees must be respected. Number 11, Food and Drug Act, 1985. Duty to publicize clinical trial information in subsection 3 of the Food and Drug Act requires that clinical trial information is to be made public within the prescribed time and prescribed manner. If the injection continues to be in clinical trials until 2023, how can the clinical trial information be publicized, reviewed, and independently assessed? Furthermore, long-term safety data on the said injections cannot be available for the same reasons. It is impossible to analyze and, and analyze the long-term safety data of this new medical procedure. <clears throat> Ontario, Number Twelve, Health Care Consent Act of 1990, Section Ten of the Ontario Health Care consent Act, consent, consent Act reads that consent is required for medical treatment. Treatment without obtaining consent is unlawful. You are not medical professionals. I do not consent to your mandated medical treatments. Section 11 described the elements of consent and informed consent. Consent must be informed and it must be given voluntarily. In order to achieve informed consent, information about the expected benefits, material risks, side effects of the treatment, and information about alternatives must be provided. 13. Occupational Health and Safety Act of 1990. Section 63 of the Ontario Health and Safety Act expressly states that no employer shall seek to gain access except by an order of the court or another tribunal or in order to comply with another statute to the health record concerning a worker without the worker's written consent. According to Section 66, every person who contravenes or fails to comply with a provision of this act is guilty of an offence and on conviction is liable to financial fine or imprisonment. Our rights to privacy and personal information are further protected by the uh, Personal Health Information Protection Act of 2004, Personal Health Information and Electronic Documents Act of 2000, and uh, Freedom of Information and uh, Protection Privacy Act of 1990. Important international recognized declarations. The Nuremberg Code. The code is a set of research and ethics principles that were established in response to and in the aftermath of the Nazi medical experimentation on humans. <clears throat> it outlines the protection for participants, the importance of voluntary informed consent, and methods of conduct. This policy. The experimental and deadly impact of the vaccine along with its forced implementation mean, uh, implementation mean that all 10 rules of the Nuremberg Code are decimated. Ooh, that's powerful, my friends. 15. Universal Declaration of Bioethics and Human Rights, 2005. Um, speaks about respect for human dignity, human rights, informed and voluntary consent of treatment. The declaration speaks about personal privacy and confidentiality and about responsible management of medicines among other aspects. Canada being a member member state of UNESCO since 1946 is committed to the principles laid out in this international declaration on bioethics and human rights. In the covid dystopia it seems these principles have all uh, have been all but forgotten. Number 16 Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Canada's own human rights laws stem out of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. This declaration recognizes that universal rights of humans, Articles 1 to 3, discuss the basic and fundamental rights to be free and equal, the right to life, liberty, and security, much like the rights recognized in our Canadian Bill of Rights. Articles 7, 12, 18 to 21 further discuss freedom's, and discrimination-free treatment of humans. Article 23 focuses on the right to free choice of employment and the right to discrimination-free work. One wonders how this can be achieved and respected with evidently unlawful work policies. 17. The WMA Declaration of Helsinki. The Declaration of Helsinki is considered to be the most cornerstone of ethical research principles involving humans. The forced inoculation of humans with experimental drugs violates severe principles of this declaration. Vax cause, cause death and injuries. Vaccine development, testing, and regulation is, is a painstaking process that takes years of dedication and hard work to complete. Hastily rushed out the door experimental COVID-19 products have not gone through the same process and, and rigor. Long-term safety and efficacy data that is crucial for assessment is not available. What's worse, various injury reporting databases show the immediate, the, the immediate after-effects of Vax-caused injuries and death. deaths has quickly reached unprecedented levels and continues to paint a dark and sinister picture. The numbers of vaccine-caused deaths and serious injuries are in the hundreds of thousands around the world. How can a reasonable level-headed person or authority recommend such a treatment, let alone enforce it, and let alone make it a condition of their employment? Analysis of the data reported by well-known vaccine injury reporting system uh, systems provide an overview of deaths and adverse reactions caused by the various COVID-19 vaccine products. American VARES COVID vaccine data as of November 12, 2021 shows 894,000 adverse events uh, reports and more than 18,800 18, deaths with thousands requiring urgent care at, and hospitalization. United Kingdom's yellow card scheme as of November 11, 2021 shows over 385,000 adverse events reported and 1,784 fatalities. The European Euro- <coughs> Eudura Vigilance Database as of November 2021 reports similarly high injury and fatality rates. <coughs> Elevated adverse events and deaths have become so noteworthy in Ontario that it promoted Ontario MMP Randy Hillier to formally write to Ontario Provincial Police Commissioner um, to open a criminal investigation into the issue. Public Health Ontario, as of November 14th, reported 537 cases of myocarditis and thousands of adverse events following immunization in their report. There is surmountable evidence that the so-called benefits of the COVID inoculation are highly contestable at best and torturously lethal at worst. One finds it horrifying to think that these proportions are being injected into our children. In conclusion, <clears throat> we are intelligent, free-thinking individuals. We must not be made victims of laborious collectivist, collectivist ideology designed to, de- to achieve the goals of a few while obliterating the freedoms of so many. As rational human beings, we must heed wakeful caution to our reality before too too late, and the fascist boot has slammed on us. Any reasonable individual who has suffered under under a socialist political regime knows it takes a revolution to get them out. History has shown that dehumanization is one of the first steps in perpetrating great crimes against humans. This policy policy seeks to dehumanize Canadians, effectively placing them into an us-versus-them group or groups where the complicit us enjoy all the rights. Meanwhile, them and those people are ridiculed, written off the books as societal undesirables and receive all the scoff society can muster up. By implementing and enforcing this unlawful policy, you're helping create a tiered society of subhuman, uh, intermention and forced conformists. Divided along uh, dictatorial pharmaceutical lines, it's easy to place labels on groups sentencing them to a gloomy fate. It takes a moral moral courage to recognize the wrongdoing and to call it out for what it is. How ironic is it that an office that seeks to provide a layer of accountability by uh, auditing Canadian institutions to look at the at the best interest of Canadians, is now busy rolling out this purging of fundamental rights of the same Canadians. Upstanding Canadians, who have given years of conscientious hard work to achieve the objectives of this office, are now being g- given the boot for uh, for being rational, responsible humans, and for defending Canadian rights. Historically, those who have continued to stew in their own hedonist immor- immorality in abject ignorance of the uh, realities around them have paid dearly with their arguably uh, have paid dearly with their arguably taken for granted freedoms the dear uh, <clears throat> election of morality duty by this organization's leadership is unbelievable our actions as responsible citizens today will determine the future of our society and the world in which our future generations will reside our efforts today will decide if society our children will live in a free and open one, or will be in a malevolent, evil entity directing them into dark, unhuman, into a dark, unhuman abyss. The fascist regimes of past could possibly inflict, inflict brutal oppression on people unless and until the capable, intelligent people of the time turned unless and until the capable, intelligent people of the time turned a blind eye to it. And simply allowed it to happen. When lies are told over truth and told wholesale with such frequency and conviction by so many, the truth becomes murky to the point that it ceases to be identifiable from falsehood. The price to pay for such large-scale immorality must be most egregious. Finally, I remind you kindly but firmly that our rights, freedoms, and civil liberties are not yours to take away stop violating our rights and stop threatening us with injections and boosters just so we can keep our jobs thanks <laughs> that was epic <laughs> oh my god my friends so i had proofread a lot of it but i it was just wicked the fact that they offered up case law um i'll tell you what i'll put this i'll put this in the telegram room because it is so good um and everybody needs to, anybody that's facing, uh, if you're facing a mandate at, uh, at your job and you are potentially looking at unemployment, I literally would just print this out and hand it to your boss. <laughs> you could just, you could just, uh, substitute the OAG and, uh, just put in your, your employers or your, your place of business. <laughs> um, man, what can you say about that? Um, it was just epic, my friends. Uh, I loved every every part of it. Um, I didn't didn't really prepare for it to. Well, I knew it was long, but I didn't think it would eat up the whole show the way it did. But it is what it is. It's uh, that was just awesome. Uh, I loved reading it. I'm probably gonna have to, I'm probably gonna have to read that again, probably a couple times, just to pick up the amount of detail. Uh, whoever wrote that is very well versed in the law. Um, to 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 quote everything. I just... Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I almost am pretty tempted to just print this out and uh, send it to Scott Moe and say, what? how do you think that you are amending employment acts in this country without going through the proper process? Holy smokes. Anyway, my friends, that's where we're going to end this one. So... Like always, if you want to reach out to me, it is Canadian, uh, Canadian, jeez, find me on Facebook at Canadian Patriot radio, click on that message button and you will be talking directly to me. So if you want to send me information or just say hello, feel free to do that. If you prefer email, it's Canadian Patriot radio, radio at gmail.com, man, you can tell sometimes when I read these extremely long articles, I start tripping over my tongue, but it is what it is. Um, and then I, I encourage everybody to join the conversation on Telegram. Uh, it's t.me backslash Canadian Patriot Radio. Uh, through this hunting season, I've been a little bit absent on, on that channel as well. But the conversation is ongoing. I'm not the only contributor. There's everybody everybody that's on the channel is putting up good stuff. It's great to uh, it's great to be a part of a, a group um, sharing such, uh, such good information. So feel free to join that convo at any time, my friends. And... If you prefer websites, it's canadianpatriotradio.ca. Thank you so much, my friends, for tuning in again. And like I, like I said at the start of the show, uh, I apologize for the gaps in the shows. Um, it's just been an extremely busy time for me. But we should, uh, for everything that I can foresee, we should be returning to normal. Uh, next week, so it will be a couple shows minimum a week. Maybe I'll try and get in do three shows just to make up for the last couple weeks. <clears throat> also, um, you might note that the date uh, at the beginning of the show when I say it might not match the actual date that it is. <laughs> uh, the reason being is sometimes I'm getting in super late to record these, so I record them and then I upload them the next day. So if you are seeing a um, <clears throat> the ma- the date's not match when you're actually listening to it don't don't overthink it it's just the fact that i'm i'm kind of probably i'm doing it in two stages so anyway my friends with that all being said with until next time in all thy sons command <laughs> joining us for another episode of canadian patriot radio cpr is not filmed before a live studio audience if you like the show friends make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms until next time take care